From the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here's your host, Rocky LaFleur. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Also starring Josh Webb, Jake LaTondras, Rob Kroon, David Ellis, and Ramsey Russell. Showtime. Right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me today is the callmaker himself, Josh Raggio, and my special guest co-host, Ed Wall, and Josh's best friend, I should say. Guys, how are y'all? We're awesome, Rocky. We're awesome. Doing good, Rocky. How about you, buddy? Hey, b- before we get started with this, I want to say happy birthday to Mr. Raggio. And I, I know he's going to be listening to this uh, today. So happy birthday, Mr. Ronnie Raggio, Josh's dad. Happy birthday, Mr. Ronnie. I sent him a message on Facebook this morning. Oh, Mr. Ronnie. I think that – so Josh had no idea. Jake is in – how did, did you ever look up how to say it, Josh? Is Kajakistan? No, I couldn't even, even find it on the map. <laughs> uh, well, he's, he's hunting some type of uh, mountain ram, mountain goat, but I'm sure it has mountains. So, so anyway, Jake, without Jake being here, uh, Josh said, hey, Ben, who's going to, who can you, who do you think will come on there and help you co-host? I said, ah, I'll surprise you tomorrow. <laughs> on the way to softball practice, I called Ed last night, which you all know, Josh's best friend, lifelong best friend, is joining the show today. Yeah, following uh, Jake's not exactly the best uh, best spot for me, I don't think. Jake, Jake's pretty good at this. <laughs> I enjoy listening to him. I don't, I don't think I'm going to quite provide the commentary that he will, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, and I really so, didn't know. I, so Rocky was giving me grief when we got on because he was like, oh, you know who it is. You know who it is. And I truly didn't know. I didn't know who you were going to call and ask him to do this today. So it was cool to hear old Eddie on the other end of the line. I just figured that after I got off with, with Ed last night, he said, ah, I talked to Brooks, and I said, no, 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 you know, we've kind of done the the hunting, buddy. I said, I want the, the lifelong friendship version of Josh Raggio, because if there's anybody that can give you a, a different view than a, let's just say, hunting buddy, hunting best friend, uh, mother, father, wife, it's your childhood lifelong best friend. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. <laughs> it, it may not be a good thing. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. yeah. I think that's what he's more concerned with. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you wanna... when, ahead, when did... No, no, I mean, y'all grew up together, correct? Yeah, we, we yeah, grew basically. up in, in Raymond. And basically, we, we obviously, we, since we were kids and we graduated high school together, <clears throat> and our... Our backyards were almost kind of joined by about a tenth of a mile, so we just lived one street over from each other. Um, we were I mean, we were teenagers and all through high school and stuff, and, and so we both, you know, we like I said, went to high school together. Both had crappy cars in high school and graduated together and all that good stuff. We did drive some crappy cars, <laughs> but they were cars, and they got us from A to B. And in Raymond, Mississippi, that's really all that matters. And you found out later on in life that's all that matters. Yeah, to get you from A to B, that is one of my favorite statements. My kids get sick of me hearing it. Uh, hearing Golly. it from Edward, Edward drove a 1981 Ford Fairmont. That was oh my half, lord! Half blue, half half rust only three of the doors opened um i had a 80 81 doo-doo brown celica that was my great uncle's that had a trailer hitch on it because he uh he'd pull a little boat to the river to hunt uh hunt with and uh hey but we we hunted and fished out of those things like they were four-wheel drive f-150s you know it's nothing more classy Nothing more classy than a Celica with a huge That's bad. It also had, it had one of those. It had one of those thin things that covered the entire back windshield too. Oh yeah, I know what it's called. I don't either. Sun blockers, maybe. I think that's what they were for. Have we have we told the story though about the the Fairmont and the fish? Yeah, that's about to say, you know, Rocky, it wasn't bad enough that I drove an eighty one Fairmont. And this is this is no exaggeration whatsoever. Only three of the doors opened. It had no steering column because for some unknown reason someone had tried to steal it at some point before I owned it. You could start it with anything, screwdriver, key, didn't matter. And the lights, when you drove down the road, you had to hold them on bright. Or else they would go off occasionally. Like they'd stay on for ten seconds, they'd go off for one. Stay on for twenty seconds, go off for one. So you had to like hold it on, hold them on bright. And when you approached the car, you dimmed them and hope they didn't go off. <laughs> so one summer, I guess like my like my junior year of high school, maybe maybe my senior year. I guess, actually I think it was my senior year of high school. I had my car parked on the street. And I was at uh, in Startville for three days, playing in the in a golf tournament, and had ridden with someone else. And I remember because the last day I came home was my birthday, August first. So right there was nice and cool in the middle of the Mississippi summer. So I, parked, I left my car parked on the street, and I come home. And that night I was going to drive over to my girlfriend's house to be here, and I opened the door to my car. The worst smell you can imagine. 
came out of the inside of that car. And I was like, oh my gosh, what has happened? I start rummaging through the back seat and I find a bag of half-eaten McDonald's food that one of our buddies left in the back seat. And I was like, oh my God, he left this back here. It's stinking. So I threw it out, thinking that was it. Went over there and she got to her house. We're sitting on the front porch. She's like, oh my God, this smells horrible. I was like, it's my car. So <laughs> the next morning, me and two of my other buddies are going fishing. And I'm going to pick them up before daylight and learn it. So I'm driving and I'm literally riding down Highway 18. And it's so bad I can't breathe. And I look like Ace Ventura with the window down. And my head is like, <laughs> And so I pull up to Rob's house and I said, I was like, man, there's something in here. I look at them and I have one of those big bench, those vinyl bench seats in the front. I look under the driver's side, nothing under there. And I walk up to the door and I thought, there's something in that car. And I walked back. And look in the passenger seat, and there's a Kroger bag. And I pull this Kroger bag out, and there's about a four-pound bass in it. It's been sitting in my car in the July sun for three to four days. And I, did, and I knew it was one of the two guys I was picking up, so I beat on the door, his mama's door at like five o'clock in the morning. And they both came to the door. They, you know, these are two of Josh and I's best friends. I was like, hey, y'all. I was like, walk out here. And they were like, what? I was like, which one of y'all put the fish in my car? And they were like, what? what? You know, I mean, I was just a fighting boat right there in the yard. I was just, I was that bad. <laughs> and I could tell, I could tell that, I mean, you know, these are two guys I've known just as long as I've known Josh. And I, was, I could tell they were both telling the truth. And they were like, what are you talking about? And so I told them, you know, and so we're driving. Um, because fishing, they were like, oh my God, dude, this, it, you can't, we can't ride in here. It's horrible. And as we got back that morning, and I said, who could have put the fish in my car? And they said, well, you know, Raggio and Jake went fishing down at the farm the other day. I called them. And of course, Josh was like, dude, I would not do that to you. Like, you know, so he just denied it, denied it, denied it. And about two years later, two or three years later, we're in college and we're at my apartment cooking out and it was like winter i remember we were going outside we got talking about something and all of a sudden josh just kind of turned to him and was like hey by the way jake and i put that fish in your car <laughs> and it was even like three years later it was probably still too soon to be honest with you. like you can't imagine the smell i sprayed an entire bottle of that old green polo cologne we all had when we were in high school oh god bacon powder we ended up giving the car away to mills on wheels it was like it, it was just that bad <laughs> so here's a little yeah. bit of the backstory of why we did it we did we caught some some good fish that day and i don't know if it was my idea or jake's or you know we were just always kind of pulling pranks on each other and I was like, you know, Edward's out of town, but I'm pretty sure he's coming back tomorrow. You know, let's just go slide this thing. Because we were riding right by his house, and his his car was sitting on the road in front. There wasn't nobody around. I said, let's just go slide a fish in there. Because, you know, he, it won't be bad. He'll he'll be back in the morning. We, we really didn't know that it was going to be four days later. And that fish was just going to cook in that car. And uh, so the, it wasn't supposed to be that as bad as it turned out. It was, it's the worst thing I've ever done to anybody. <laughs> I didn't, didn't mean it like that, but it's just kind of how it turned out.
It's like grumpy old men. That's I'm exactly you, what it was like. It was yeah. In hindsight, looking back, it's it's, it's pretty funny now. At the time, it was. <laughs> like, he was ready it, to fight. It, it was unbearable. Anybody. Smell. Yeah. yeah, I was just looking for somebody to say the word fish. That's all I was hoping for. <laughs> oh. Uh, Ed whipped two or three people figuring out. He shook them down <laughs> trying to figure out who put that fish. I mean, I tell you that, that when I pulled up to their house that morning and I said, "Y'all," I said, "Hey, walk out here real quick." It's because I, it's honestly, I was like, "I'm not gonna fight these." Put my best friends in his mom's house. I'm gonna get out here in the yard. I mean, that was literally my intention. And when I said, "Which one of y'all put the fish in my car?" and I could tell on their faces, it wasn't either one of them. It's like, well. All right, now I got to get to the bottom of this. And of course, and gosh, I'll give it to him. He, 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 he sold it well that it wasn't him until he finally owned up to it years later. And he just kind of giggled as he told me years later. And I just kind of was like, huh. Yeah, <laughs> still not funny. <laughs> but looking back, you know, 20 years later, it is. I guess it's pretty funny now. God, you brought you brought up an interesting topic, golf, which I know you're very, very good at. And I mean, anybody that that is friends with you on Facebook, I mean, you're you're winning a tournament just about every weekend if you're not at an Ole Miss football game. But Josh, Josh y'all played together, correct? Golf? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we- Played on we, we played, a high school team. High school. Yeah. And Edward was it's, not that good until something happened one day, like just overnight. And we, the next day we played and he was just, it was just a totally different part. It was really weird. I don't, I don't know what happened, but, and now, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's the best golfer in the state or one of the top three um, <laughs> golfers in the state year in and year out. No, it's, uh, he won't. He won't I, tell you that. I'll tell you that. We were in yeah. high school. Yeah, we like we we kind of we both of us played football, baseball, golf, and Josh was an extremely good baseball player. And uh, I I played third base, and when when I would field one, the pitcher would have to cut it on my throat at first. So I realized that baseball probably wasn't going to be the avenue for me to, you know be a big star <laughs> so after my 10th grade year i gave up baseball and just started playing golf and of course they coincide in the spring and so that made it a little bit easier for me to practice and uh, kind of progress with the golf and josh was a good enough athlete he could kind of he was obviously a good baseball player but could play decent golf even without practicing and so but yeah we played in high school and we finished our team finished second in the straight uh second in the state like three or four straight years and never won it but we still had a good time i'm gonna say that y'all probably as competitive as both of y'all are y'all probably had some man some sure enough matches in practice yeah but it was also our <clears throat> before we could drive we would our parents would drop us off at the golf course here locally and basically we just played golf all day and that's where a lot of that competitive started too in the golf realm. Cause you know, we were 14 or 15 and all you, 
you know, you couldn't drive a cart, so we had to walk. And we'd walk like, God, we'd play three rounds, yeah, at least, yeah, walking. at least walking, you know. And we'd play for toothpicks or quarters or something. And we, yeah, we had some very intense conversations and matches. It was, uh, but in the, the day, we all left pretty much happy and went back did it again the next day. Yeah, the golf course kept us out of a lot of trouble during the summers and our parents knew it so you know how they put us they put us to work there you know we'd be we'd pick range balls and do whatever and then go play another round of golf you're talking about the golf course right there beside pines mm-hmm. eagle yeah. ridge eagle yeah ridge. yeah 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 you know we spent a lot of time on our farm um you know, it was kind of, I guess, not weird. Um, but, you know, we didn't drink really in high school, but, you know, no drugs, nothing like that. You know, we were always doing something sports related or, or hunting, fishing related down there. And, and you know, while we had some incidents more of, you know, kind of getting hurt type stuff, we were never just falling out drunk in high school. It just wasn't our thing, not what we did. We had a lot of good times. He getting hurt like he was involved in it. Now, see, this is how it went, Rocky. But we're in high school. Josh would come up with these elaborate ideas, whether it's siphoning gas out of a four wheeler that we had never tried, and he he always knew how to do it, but he would implore me to be the one to test it out. And somehow he never. I ended up in the emergency room a couple times. Josh, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I meant by we. I mean, I typically had the idea, and you would actually do it. That's, <laughs> that's, how, it. that's how a good corporation works. Yeah. Oh god! Yeah, exactly. There was a yeah. there was an incident with <laughs> us riding around on four wheelers at night one time, and and anyway, but I ended up in the bottom of this gully and some old rusty farm equipment with <laughs> calling my mother at two in the morning saying hey listen i'm headed to the emergency room i can see my kneecap i'm gonna have to go get this stitched up and i'm gonna need my insurance card and dri driving myself like I mean, we're just and and both of us or there was like four or five of us down there everyone completely sober just you know we're just 15 year old kids down there hanging out and hunting or just fishing and stuff and like, hey, is anybody going to drive me to the hospital? Like, oh, you'll be fine. You're good. Yeah. So, yeah, they, also ran a, they, were, they were ran a paper route in high school. And so there were also times where his mama called me at 2 in the morning saying, I can't get in touch with him or I can't find him. And we'd go out looking for him. Be flat tire in a ditch or I don't know how. He, I did it one time with him and it just, I don't know how he did it. Easy. I'm going to assume that that was the Clarion Ledger, correct? Correct. Yeah. Oh, boy. Clarion Liar. Seemed like, seemed like a great idea at the time. You know, senior senior in high school, I had a paper out and got up at 3 o'clock every morning and one papers. Taking that money. But you know, Ed, let me ask you. Oh, go ahead. You go know, ahead. when it... When it Kind of hearing some of those stories and how he grew up, like when you get to, 
when I got this wild idea, you know, years later to make a duck call, obviously the first person, you know, that I, you know, I was really excited about it. And the first person that I wanted to show and see it and tell about it, you know, was Edward. And so, you know, I'm making basically, you know, firewood for a little while, but I did come up with three and I, I won't ever forget riding over there and showing them to him and thinking they were the next greatest thing to ever be made. And they were looking back, they were, they were horrible, but it was so cool to just be able to share that, you know, um, and have a, have a friend that close, you know, to go share something like that with. Rocky called me and said, he's like, Hey, you at home? And I said, yeah. And he said, Hey, I'm going to ride by. I got to show you something. And I I knew what it was because he had, I had a pretty good idea. He had talked about talked about it before, and he shows up, and he's got these two duck calls. He blows them. Of course, he can actually make them sound good. You know, it sounds like a kazoo when I blow them. But so I was like, man, I just, I, I really thought it was just the coolest thing ever. Like, I made his own duck call. Like, how? That's just awesome. And he said, I'm gonna keep this one. We'll give this to my dad. He said, I'm gonna the third one give you. And I said, well. I appreciate that. I said, but I said, tell you what, you make the third one and I'll buy it from you. So, because I want to be, I want to be your first customer. I said, I'm, I'm, I want to have the first one you ever sold. So, if you ever get, get these things actually sounding good, uh, you know, people are buying them, I'll have the first one. <laughs> and so, I, this is another little interesting tidbit to this, Rocky. So, he, he made the, he made the third one and we went to a, DU banquet that he was like a member of, um, and I said, "Hey, you have you have the call?" He said, "Yeah, yeah." So he gave it to me, and I'd asked him what he wanted for me. He told me a hundred bucks. I said, "Well, here, I'm gonna give you two hundred So I think personally, all his success is strictly because of me, since I set the initial market value of the type of quality call he was making, and he owes all his success solely to me. You're setting, you know, setting the bar right there. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> nah, but it's yeah. It's, and the cool thing is, like once a year, we'll go and we hunt together. Uh, we'll both. He'll take the first one he ever made, and I'll take the number three, and we'll go and hunt somewhere. Usually, it's just he and I. Um, take them and try to kill some ducks with them and those are fun hunts yeah yeah those are fun hunts that'd be a cool short video number one and number three yeah you know any videographers anybody that takes pictures maybe yeah i know a couple of people (laughs) (laughs) hey ed let me ask you this Stepping back, looking at who Josh is, and look, both of y'all are really successful. You're a successful photographer, videographer, golfer. Josh, anything that he pretty much touches is pretty successful. Is there things that you saw in Josh, you know, when you were fouling around? buddies that yeah that's probably gonna do pretty good 
they're traits that you saw looking back on it now in, in um, each other. Because, but like I said, both of y'all were really, really successful. I think, like, I, you know, when you called me last night and you're kind of giving me some ideas to think about, I, I was kind of, one thing I kind of thought about was, you know, why has Josh been so successful with this? And of course, I hadn't thought about it until you just asked me what, you know, I guess looking back, there's anything I saw, but I remember, like I said, Josh was actually a really good baseball player. And I can remember he was a really, really good fielder. Um, I can remember he and Coach Perry, like, staying after practice. And him, you know, if he booted a ball during practice, he would sit out there and just really just take ground ball after ground ball. And it was almost, you know, like, man, all right, dude. You've taken, like, 800 ground balls. I think you're good, you know. But I think it's that being a perfectionist, Josh has really got that in him. And... The work ethic, I think, I know that's kind of maybe sound cliche, but I think it's the truth at, at the end of the day is that he kind of when he gets something in mind, he's going to try to a, work really hard at it. Obviously, I mean, every time I go by Josh's house, I don't ever call, call and tell him I'm coming. I just show up. And I can't remember the last time I went by there that he wasn't in his shop turning duck hole. It's nine in the morning or five in the afternoon or seven at night. That's the God honest truth. Um, and I think, you know, having, I think early on, you know, even though he, is, he was an asshole, and he, did, he did have that, that great work, work ethic and, um, and just being a perfectionist. And I think that's kind of carried over, I guess, to his professional life. And I guess that's, those are a couple of keys, I think, for anybody being successful. Thanks, uh, look, look, there, let me say this. There's a lot of people that make calls. But I don't know if there's a lot of people that makes call making oh gosh, it's gonna sound weird. As cool as Josh does. Yeah, did I, you absolutely. see that did did you see that? What I'm s I guess what I'm asking is, you know, when you built a treehouse when you were nine years old, you know, did you did you have to build the the three-story treehouse with uh, uh, in the plumbing in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, like we we did we did some stuff like that. I remember him talking about we built a bucket barrel, and I remember we we basically at one time remodeled his his grandmother's house on the farm. Um, and and, you know, and Josh had all these. I mean, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take all this stuff out of this house that nobody lived in for years, and we're gonna fix it up. And we did. We were, I mean, we we're kids, and we did this. And I think, you know, I guess I hadn't really thought about it until now, but looking back, yeah, he's always had that kind of creative artsy side where, and I think that's when you asked me, when you asked me about it last night, like, why has he been successful? I think other than the work ethic and like just being a perfectionist is that, I, you know, I, I think honestly, the thing I attribute most is that he, I think his brain works a little bit different than other people's. And that every time he sh like, he'll sh you know, every call he makes, I'm like, man, that's the coolest call you've ever made. And then until the next one, he really thinks outside the box. And I was thinking about last night, like some of the calls that he's that I had never seen before, and you know, the captive ring call and the decoy string and stuff like that, where he just 
the Fortnite call, you know, and it showed me that the first time. I was like, holy cow, that's so cool. It's just trying to be innovative. And, you know, like, there's only so many things I think you can do to a duck call as far as being creative. And I think he, you know, spends a lot of time trying to figure out new inventive ways to kind of make a better mousetrap. And I think that's, and puts a lot of time and effort into making each one of them so individualized. It's so just, like, it's not just something that's repetitive. He spends a lot of time on each one. I think that's, I think people appreciate the effort and time that goes into each one. It kind of makes it special. I know it does for me anyway. Yeah, I think too, differently, like, uh, kind of commenting on your statement, Rocky, about kind of how maybe I'd make it look, you know, from the inside or from the outside in. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm fortunate just because I, I do it for a living. Um, I have the time and the, uh, or make the time to show a lot of the processes and, and some of the things that go on that all other call makers are doing, um, that they just may ha don't have the time to invest. And in, I guess you could call it like the marketing side of things, um, to be able to show, be able to show a lot of the things that I guess I do. Um, you know, most, most guys do it as a hobby and, uh, you know, just, they just love to make duck calls and, and that's, that's great. I met, you know, a lot of those guys at, at real foot this week, you know, but I, I think that, you know, I, maybe I do think a little differently about it in general as being, you know, art and wanting to show the, the art side of things that I, I put just as much effort into that side of it, not trying to make it look cool, just trying to show what I do and what it's all about. And, and what my, you know, my brand is about and what call making in general is about. Because uh, it's, just, it's just a lot more than a, than a duck call. Uh, to, to, to me and to a lot of people, a lot of people it is. It's just a duck call. Could care less how it got made, what it's made of, just so it sounds right and all that. They're good. And that's fine. But there is a whole other side to it that I spend a lot of time just trying to show, uh, you know, through, through, just, through the things that I do. And, and that it, I, I agree with that, but I kind of what I was what I was getting at is, and and I think that that is the reason that you are successful is usually the people that push it past the limit um, don't aren't just happy with status quo. People that go past there are the most successful. And, and kind of what I was getting at was, you know, when y'all just doing just general things as a kid, and then, you know, whether it was setting up a, a a tent when you went camping, or you know, you have to have the you go the extra mile to make everything perfect. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I mean, don't really remember because, I, I, but I, anyway, I agree with what you said a hundred percent. I'm just wondering if that's what you were like back then, also the way you explained it in everything that you did. Uh, probably, probably not. 
I think it's just uh, I, I was in the things that I was really, really passionate about, you know, um, baseball being one, uh, you know, just trying to take it to the next level, um, you know, and then the, the, the bullfighting stuff. I mean, I was very passionate about all that. So staying in shape and learning more and more. And, you know, obviously you really need to be perfect in that type deal. You know, and now it's, uh, you know, in the corporate world, same way. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of just translated into call making. It just, uh, I think it's the things that I really am passionate about that I get, that I get like that about. It's, it's not the, it's not everything that I do every day, um, type stuff. You look back on, on playing baseball. This boy, this is a random question. There's three types of people: people that wish they could go back, people that, man, why did I waste that much time? And then there's the people that happy with the way everything fell. Which one are you? Hmm. I think that I. I think that I reached the highest level that I could ever reach um just you know i was not gonna be a professional baseball player just wasn't not physically built for it uh you know just a lot of things i mean it's it's that chance is so slim um i don't regret any of the times that i did i was glad it was over i will tell you that uh it was sad but it was also like almost a relief like been doing this since i was seven years old and it's finally kind of like, okay, what's, what's next in life? And I was really looking forward to that at that point. Um, even if I would have been good enough to be a professional baseball player, by the time my last game got there in college, I, I was, I was pretty much over it. Um, you know, and that's why, like, I see all this travel ball now and, you know, kids playing year round. We didn't do all that. We played in the summer played rec ball when we were young and then we played some select and traveled a little bit, but we didn't do it year round. Wasn't our thing. And I was burned out on it. So it really scares me to see, you know, now if, if a kid loves it, that's, that's one thing. If he eats and breathes it when he's 10 and you got him playing all year, you know, don't, don't hold him back. Um, but, but don't push. If, if the kid doesn't want to play year round, don't make him because let me tell you, when it gets time, and he may be the best on the team, but if he's burned out on it by the time college gets here, you know, then that, I would say that would be that would be wasted. I, I, don't know, I have a lot of opinions about this whole travel, the new age of youth sports, um, and I'm not there yet. You know, my kids aren't old enough yet, but. I don't know. It's it's a little scary the way I see things headed right now. I just look at it to me, and I would I would work every. This is don't mean to take up your time, but I would work every day during the summer. Uh, had a weekend job in the fall and winter, but work every day and just beat dog tired. And then come home and shoot. Uh, for me, basketball. 
uh, spend two, two and a half hours shooting basketball every day. Jeez, I, I look back at it, it's a waste. You know, yeah, did it make me more disciplined? Yeah, I think so. It gave me some uh, traits that probably are a little better than others. Um, but, God, I could have been spending time doing some other things. Because I was, there was no way this this white boy was ever going to be Michael Jordan <laughs> in the mid-90s. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can was. see that. Oh, yeah. But but yeah, the that's... thing was, when we were that age, like I worked, at, you know, me and Edward both had, had summer jobs. And we would work. Um, I worked at a hardware store for a couple of years, worked for a locksmith at the college here for <clears throat> a couple of summers. Like, but I wanted, well, my parents didn't make me, but I wanted to work. I wanted some spending money, you know, because that was the only oh, way I was yeah. going to get it. And the only so way we you would. did get it. Back oh, then. yeah. And so, like you, you know, you work all day and then you you got a double header at night starting, you know, at five or six. You hauled butt from work. You went and played, played baseball. But we also, like, like we're talking about stories earlier, like somehow we figured out and made time during all seasons or after practice in high school or whatever, like to get away for a few hours and go fishing or go hunting. Like it seemed like growing up, we had a balance that was pretty good, you know, um, took care of all our, our stuff at home that we had to do. And we were both pretty good students uh, and it kind of was say easy but you could listen in class you didn't have to do a lot of studying i don't know i don't look back and regret anything from from those you know those high school or, or even college days what about you edward yeah i, mean, I have to agree a ton of time on on the golf course yeah i mean i, I kind of think that Everything I and just like anybody else, everything you did led you to where you are now. And I, you know, I wouldn't trade my wife with wife and kid and everything for anything in the world. So even the, I think the mistakes you make along the way kind of guide you down the path that you ended up on. And if you're happy with with where you are, then there's nothing to regret. And I guess is my opinion as far as that goes. I think the, you know, at the in the short term, we look at mistakes as painful and uh, why why is this happening? And then once you get through it and it's in the rear view, you're like, geez, that was awesome. That was, that was great life lesson. Makes you, mm-hmm. It makes you better. Mm-hmm. We've all had our fair share of those. Absolutely. But anyway, so today, you know, the the friendship, y'all are still best friends. But, you know, every time I've been to the call shop, uh, I think four times, every time I've been to the call shop, Ed, you've been there. Not that, uh, and you, is, are all of the pictures... Just this is me asking, but are most of the pictures that you post, Josh? Are they are they coming? They had taken those. A lot um, of those. Mo- most of them, yeah. Well, especially if they're 
pretty much anything outside the shop um edward has has taken um i i i take most of my own like call picks and you know i've only had one or two other photographers in here um one for filson that was in the shop and you know endless you know jake was here but for the most part i'd say 90 percent of the pictures that you see actually probably yeah 90 at least of the hunting and and that type stuff yeah edward took you know you're the videos that you've seen uh on my website and things that that i've had there ever did all that um you know obviously you went to dallas with me i mean it just yeah yeah i can't ever pay him back for a lot of that i mean it's just uh you know friendship it's 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 easy to a degree but it also takes effort you know if you think about all the friends you used to have and don't have anymore i mean it takes effort from from both sides you know to maintain those and you know it, it does, was always I, yeah I totally, I, agree. totally 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 agree with that and and, and i and edward's just one of those guys that's uh you know he he puts in the effort uh you know to to maintain our friendship and we both get busy you know um i mean that's life but yeah he's uh He's at my shop a lot more than I'm at his house, and I, you know, I appreciate you know everything that he does. Yeah, all the most of that stuff you see, and all, a lot of those pictures that are in the shop are his. You know, I have the the print of the year, his first print that he ever sold, uh, hanging, and it was before it was elected the, or you know, chosen as the, the print of the year last year or this year. I've got it hanging in the in the shop and signed, you know, number one. One of those things I'm most proud of. You know, in the speech, I had to get up. I'm I'm not a pretty good on a podcast, but I in front of an audience. But I had to get up and give a speech in front of about 500 people, 400 people Saturday night. And first part of my speech, you know, I said that the the worst one of the worst parts of growing old is people come and go you look back on life and and people come and go throughout your life yeah we could give personally more effort from our side but usually life is really really busy and i think that that's one of the one of the worst parts of aging you know, you, you look back, it was a school reunion, a school-wide reunion uh, for our little private school that closed. And for those people that you spent, what, 13 years of your life with every single day for uh, eight hours a day? Mm -hmm. It's funny how you lose touch with those people. But when you see them, it's just like you've never missed a beat a lot of them but anyway yeah, I hey i want to final closing best buds get a little personal you guys sitting around the fire fire pit having a whiskey drink conversations different between you than it would be with, say, just another member of the hunting party. 
what 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 are you guys talking about? What are you laughing about? <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't get to do that a lot. It's typically we're on <clears throat> you know trips together. He's at the shop and I tell you what we talk about now more than anything is is business and marketing. I was gonna say business. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Everett's growing this success successful, you know, photography, videography uh, business. I'm trying to grow a duck call business and they relate to a T. Um and so we're always you know, I share ideas with Edward that I have that that nobody else knows are going on in my head right now bounce off bounce ideas off of him and you know and he kind of he's the same way with me um you know he spent four or five hours editing a video on the way to dallas the other day you know i mean so we're so i think now our 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 thought process is so involved in our in what we do every day and the creativity of it and how to make it better and how to become relevant stay relevant of course, you know, we still give, give each other just grief all the time about anything and everything. But I think it's our things have shifted because just our passions in life are are different now. You know, um, we can congratulate each other a lot. He'll he'll be he'll win a golf tournament. And, you know, he'll send me the picture of the, him with a trophy first, you know, because and it's not bragging. He just we're just good friends and we share successes with each other, you know. Um, so it's a lot of that type stuff. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, that, that's, that's going to be my reply to Obviously it was, you know, business just, I think it's that we think a lot alike. I don't know whether it's just growing up together or what it is or how we're raised or anything like that, but it's, we think a lot, a lot alike. And a lot of it is kind of just bouncing ideas like, Hey, I remember when he had this idea for the mobile shop, he said, what do you think? And I, you know, honestly, I was like, I don't know, man. You know, I was trying to picture this in my head, and uh, and I guess part of it's knowing that there's not going to be any. Oh yeah, that sounds great. Like we're going to give each other honest opinions. Like, hey, man, I think that's a great idea. Man, you're an idiot. That's that's a horrible idea. That's not going to work. But we get honest feedback, and so yeah, a lot of a lot of times when we're I'm hanging out at the shop, or we're Hanging out together, it's usually, you know, just either about kids or business. And that's kind of, you know, and just, like I said, just bounce ideas off each other. Like, hey, what do you think about there? Kind of each be more successful than we were the day before. So. And we're honestly, <laughs> he shot a video before that I told him sucked. I made a duck call before that he told me sucked. <laughs> You know, but you, but if if you, if you, your friend can't be honest with you, who else can be honest? Who else is going to be honest? You know? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, you really get bad news from your friend, like, hey, man, that's, that's not good, dude. Versus putting it out there, you know, in front of everybody and having the whole world tell you it sucks. So you got to have. I think everybody has to have, whether it's a spouse or family member or a really close friend, that you can feel comfortable enough to say, hey here's something I did. What do you think about it? And be able to take constructive, honest criticism, good or bad, and not, and know that it's coming from a good place. And that it's going to, because in the long run, it's going to help you, it's only going to help you get better. You know, I've got, even with, there's another, um, like, 
Yeah, that I sent stuff to like as far as videography that I sent some stuff to Dylan that he said, Hey, yeah, that's that's not good. You know, you and but I understand that kind of same thing with Josh, it's you gotta have somebody there that you can you know, bounce ideas off of and not and get honest feedback and that's gonna help you get better. Still. Not what you were expecting, was it, Rocky? You thought we no, I, I was you know, I was expecting either something really serious or that that one inside joke that only you two share. You look back on and laugh. Yeah, yeah I mean, we have those every now and then. But but, it's a lot hey, of business I, in marketing. <laughs> oh. Man, I have enjoyed it. Uh, it. I was wondering how – I knew it would go good, but – it was, it was a lot of fun today. Edward, yeah. hey, the one thing that I did, you know, I had planned was, was talking about the, the the bull fighting and the bull riding. Didn't, you, you got it in your mind that you, you were going to jump on the bull did. one time. Yeah, no, I did. I got on two, actually. Um, after Josh had been doing this for a while and realized that he was never going to be able to stay on the bull, he started doing the bull fighting. And they practiced on Sundays down in New Hebrew. And he said, why don't you come down there with me and watch one day? Which I knew meant this idiot's going to talk me into getting on the bull. I just know me. I'm not going to be able to get on there. So the second we got there, he said, you going to get on one? And I was like, hell no. He's like, yeah, you are. Come on. Come on. So lo and behold, I got on one and uh, got on another one. And where all these kids were, these high school kids, they're doing they're you know trying to go to the national finals rodeo and here i am just they're trying to help me and give me all these tips like look man you gotta do this and of course i was like oh man i got this i got this and the gate opens and all i hear is someone screaming in my head you know and all that information just goes right out the window and i'll tell you this i've, I've done everything everything there's to do in sports for the most part there is nothing in this world hands down harder than staying on a bull for eight seconds i don't care what anyone says that is the hardest thing in the world to do in my opinion uh <laughs> it's ridiculous so, uh, i guess one of the things that hey check it off the bucket list i did it and didn't get killed so yeah i knew i had to ask you about that today but guys yeah. it's been great really really enjoyed it uh Thank, thank you both for being here. It's been a lot of fun. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com.